Yo, yo, yo. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us on the Preferred Lines podcast. I am your host, Joe Idoni. This is a golf gambling podcast streamed live on YouTube, available on iTunes and Spotify. We're going to take a deep look at the odds board each and every week. Um, I appreciate you stopping by this week on Tap the Players. While you're here, do me a couple favors. Be sure to go ahead and smash the like button. Uh, subscribe to the pod. Follow the show on Twitter at Preferred Lines. Uh, and while you're at it, leave a nice comment if you enjoy the show. My mom uh, loves reading those. Here's what we got on tap for tonight, guys. Um, number one, I'm, I'm going to start to kind of structure the show a little bit more. I'm still kind of working through exactly how uh, I'm going to iron this out. But I'm going to start with a brief course preview. We'll dive into some stats uh, and some things that I'm going to utilize to make my decisions this week. I am going to hit you with a new segment where I will release my best bet for the week. Uh, I'm going to go through essentially every level of the odds board, give you a few yeses, a few no's, probably a ton of of maybes. Uh, And this week, I'm going to be joined by a very special guest who I will bring on here uh, in just a few minutes. Q&A segment after that. If you are here, do me a favor. Um, I appreciate you being here, but hop over to the Preferred Lines YouTube channel where you can drop questions uh, into the chat there. I'm going to do my best to answer each and every one kind of at the end instead of doing it in the middle of the show and kind of throwing off a little bit of the rhythm. I'm going to do that whole part at the end. Then I'm going to give you my final thoughts uh, immediately after that, uh, and then we'll get out of here. Okay. Course preview first. Let me start here. Um, I want to mention a new sponsor of the show, Fantasy Points. Uh, I'm going to bring up their little thing there. We are now officially a member of the Fantasy Points media group. Really cool. Hopefully we will get some new, um, you know, some new people in here this week. Uh, That would be exciting stuff to see some of them. Welcome in if this is your first time checking out the show. Uh, Complete, comprehensive. Websites, season-long info, optimizers, tools, data, podcasts, live stream, all that good stuff they offer for the NFL. And, and hopefully soon, uh, you know, I've heard some whispers they may be getting into the golf game as well. Very affordable. Some of the best in the industry in terms of NFL work for them. I'm proud to sort of be a part of their media group and hopefully reach a little bit of their audience. Okay, course preview stuff. Now, let me reference first. I am basically plagiarizing a lot of this info. I'm not a huge course preview guy. I really lean on uh, a couple of my buddies, Andy Lack and PGA Tout. My guy, John, does an amazing job. Follow them for totally in-depth course previews. They both put out amazing articles and content surrounding it. But here's sort of the, the Cliff Notes version. TPC Sawgrass, par 72. 7,250 yards, I think, is what the, the total is this week on the scorecard. Tiff Eagle, Bermuda, with some mix of a whole bunch of other stuff in terms of the greens. Uh, Pete Dye Design, going to hear our boy Azinger shout out the term maniacal a ton this week. A uh, lot of water on the course. Historical cut line, one over par. Last four winners, JT, Rory, Webb, Siwoo. Last four winners. We've seen some long shots here. Now, here's my course notes that I keep every year in a Google Doc. Uh, move to March in 2019 before that it was held in the summer um this is basically the spot where the world stopped in 2020 where we got one round in and we were out of golf for for months due to the pandemic a lot of less than driver holes um 
2020, I believe, was the year that they turned one of the holes into a drivable par four, which actually ended up shortening the total yardage on the course. You're going to look for Pete Dye specialist. Um, he sort of has that unique approach architecturally um, that fits the eye of some, not so much others. T to green dominant. I've heard a lot early on this week about approach. For me, what I found more emphasis on was total T to green. I think if you're just looking at approach, you're selling short the importance of off the tee game because there is so much water on the holes, and that's how you set yourself up uh, essentially with scoring opportunities. So the greens, I know it's a mix. Like I, I had this thought last week, and I kind of talked to Bear off about it a little bit. Like is is this Tiff Eagle mix Bermuda like the new Poa? I don't know the stats. I'm just going by my eyes, guys. But I've never ever seen. So many missed like six to 10 foot putts. Um, I noticed that when I was at PGA National, there were a couple where one you would put it one way and it would go right. You'd bring it back, put it the other way, it would go left. It's so grainy and slippery and wobbly, it seems. It, it's unpredictable, at least at the Honda and API. We'll see if the rain sort of plays a factor in that this week. Okay, let's get to it. My take on the Rory situation. Um, it's, I'm going to do this in a couple parts. Part one, we need to chill on overreacting to the immediate player post round interviews. We did this with Shane Lowry at the Honda, which I thought was a total overreaction. These guys have just got done competing for four days in 18 plus hours on the golf course. They walk off 18 green, disappointed, disgruntled, angry. They just lost. Um, they immediately get a microphone shoved in their face and are asked about it. Of course, they're disappointed. Of course, they're going to maybe have some negative things um, to say in regards to that. I don't think that it really warrants a reaction one way or the other. Take it with a grain of salt. You want to talk to someone who's positive? Talk to Lucas Herbert, who backdoored a T7 last week. Um, you'll get a much more enthusiastic and positive response. But that's not who they want to hear from. These guys, Rory, Lowry, their careers, their lives are made on winning. And when it doesn't happen, they're naturally disappointed. So chill on the overreaction to maybe a couple of comments. Second, part two, the difference with Rory McIlroy and basically any other player on the PGA Tour is Rory's probably the most thoughtful and intentious speaker in the game of golf. Um, when he's making statements about the PGA Tour, it's advanced level calculus stuff, probably that we can't even comprehend. Um, he's speaking for a reason, and some of it may, in fact, be leverage. Who has more leverage on the PGA Tour right now when they talk than Rory McIlroy? He basically freaking like was the defense and the king of the tour. Uh, and battled the Saudis away, he's got a lot of leverage. So when he talks, they listen. I think this was a warning shot at not only the Arnold Palmer, but at Jay and, and directly to Ponte Vedra Beach. He's telling them, this stuff ain't my jam. Uh, I may not be back here if this is how you're going to continue to set it up. And furthermore, like this to me was the equivalent of in some respects, a, a coach coming on post game and blasting the referees after game six and not getting a couple calls. 
Is it going to change anything? No. But he wants those calls in game seven. It's time to level up. Um, and when I say game seven, I'm talking about this week. He wants to see his kind of golf course at TPC Sawgrass. And the tour has total control of this thing. The setup, the rough, the greens, the sub-air system. I don't care what the weather's telling you. They have total control of how firm and how fast and how this golf course plays. And Rory has sent a message to Jay, to the PGA Tour, that it's time to feed the king. I'm coming to your house this week for dinner, dripping in 24 karat gold swooshes like he does at the players. And I want you to serve me what I like to eat. That's what he told him. I'm coming over for dinner. It better be hot. It better be fresh. And it better be what I like to eat. At the Monahan house. Now, that leads me into the next part, which is my best bet of the week. Guess who? New graphics. Check that out. It's Rory McIlroy. 19 to 1. All the motivation and all the outside of golf factors that I just displayed and spoke about, um, plus the fact that I just think he's going to win this week. First in strokes gained tee to green at Sawgrass over the last 24 rounds. Off the tee, fifth. Um, we know his strength is with the driver. We know he sets himself up great off the tee. Par four scoring, a lot of emphasis on that this week. We see a lot of that being indicative in terms of success year over year, fourth over the last 36 rounds. And basically the difference between Rory winning and Rory finishing 25th is Ben the putter. Um, he's in a groove right now, sixth over the last 24 rounds in strokes game putting. If he can do that and marry that with the off the tee game, I think he has a great chance this week. Recent form over the last eight tournaments. This is pulling in some data from uh, three, I believe, European tour starts there um, You know, over December, January. But 13th, 10th, 3rd, 12th, 6th, 1st, 14th, and 4th over his last eight starts. Course history. Um, interesting one this week. I mentioned I'm not putting a ton of emphasis on it, but he does have that first place right buried between a couple of missed cuts. 35th, 12th, 8th, 6th, 8th. Um, those are his last eight starts here at TPC Sawgrass. Rory, best bet of the week. It's time to feed the king. Now, Without further ado, let's turn to the board. This segment actually is going to be brought to you by uh, a founder of the show, Mr. Chad Eckert, uh, Fantasy Golf Pod. Appreciate them. As always, they do a show on Tuesdays, um, Golf Guys Podcast. He puts out like 19 pieces of content every week. He's the man. A-plus level golf follow at Fantasy Golf Pod. Eric Martins, Chad Eckert, great guys. Always support the show. Thank you to them. Now, speaking of A-plus level golf follows, I want to bring in my man Luke Walker at Luke Sweat It Out. We're going to go through the entire odds board here. Luke, here you are. What's up, dude? How we What's doing? What's going on, buddy? I'm, do much, I'm doing uh, So you heard the best bet of the week in Rory. I want you to just give me your off-the-top thoughts. Am I crazy? Is it too spicy for you? What do you think? God, no. I mean, it's great, man. He, he's been playing great. He's played great here. Um, I, I really agree with, with what your take was on his, what his, you know, post round comments were. It's like, you got to take it with a grain of salt. I think it also got taken completely out of context. 
um, because of the question that was asked had nothing to do with that. You know, they're asking yeah. like, hey, this wasn't a very good field this week. You know, why do you think that is? And he's like, oh, because well, it's fucking hard. People don't want to come get their ass kicked the week before the players. That was yeah. really the point he was trying to make, too. And uh, yeah, just in general, man, speaking of leveling up, that intro was that just blew my mind. That was amazing. You have leveled up the graphics. You leveled up your takes. You leveled up the, the structure, dude. That was that was sick. Dude, thank you. I'm trying to get this thing dialed in right. I appreciate that. Now I'm going to bring up here. Um, let me see if I can add this correctly. There it is. Odds Checker Grid this week. Oddschecker.com. They're going to show you odds for about eight different sports books here in the U.S. Luke, let's just talk about the top of the board. Guys, 20 to 1 and under. Just give me a thought on two. Maybe a guy that you really like and maybe a guy that like there's no way. you're. I know it's early in the week, but a guy that you – Red line through it. There's no way you're betting them. Yeah. So, I mean, with a field like this, you know, a lot more people are going to be dipping into the, this range of, you know, single digits or teen guys. Um, you know, John Rom terrifies me this week. I, I think that yeah. everyone has kind of like been just piling on him the last few weeks because he, you know, is world number one. He keeps going off like eight to one. He keeps just kind of middling through these tournaments and had the comments at the Amex and, you know, people are kind of treating him like he's this bum now. And and then there's this debate between some of the golf people, you know, about the strokes gain data and, and all that stuff. And and the strokes gain data is pretty remarkable. You know, his, his T to green, his ball striking numbers are insane and his putting has really just been bad. Um, and so listening to, you know, our boy, Andy lack talking about how he yeah. thinks putting can be a little neutralized this week. Um, if that is the case for Rom and, and the ball striking stats are the same that they've been, like he absolutely terrifies me. Um, so that's that's a guy who's got my attention, but but still is so hard to pull the trigger on the the tournament favorite. Um, yeah. As far as 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 cross offs for me, you know, JT is is a world class player and you know one of the top ten for a long time now, and obviously defending champion. I, I think it's really hard to defend. And we've never seen it here. And I'm, I'm not even sure how many multiple players champion, you know, how many guys have won it twice. So uh, seeing JT go back to back would would be surprising. And I mean, if he does it, awesome. You know, love, everybody loves JT. Um, but that's a pretty easy cross off. And then, you know, I mean, you can make a great case for all these guys, though. It's I don't hate any of them, any of the plays. I know. And, and honestly, it's kind of startling to me to see JT essentially at the same number you can get John Rahm at, which is not something that we're we're familiar with. Like, I don't, I don't put it on course history here. There's so much trouble lurking. And this can really be um, you can reiterate this basically all through Florida because there's so much water on the course that one or two bad shots can totally shoot you out of a tournament. We saw it with Rory. There was a perfect example of miscut first miscut. Um, that's what this place can really do to you. And I think that's why he's getting the bump next to Rom more than anything. This was sort of the infamous spot that, that Rom had a little bit of a meltdown with his caddy a few years ago. I'll talk some more about John Rom kind of in, in my final thoughts. I do see some twenties here on Rory. Um, what about like, let me talk to you about these three guys sort of in the 20 to 24 range, Vic Cantlay, Scheffler, um, all right there. Scheffler, Two of his last three starts, I believe, the win. Vic seems to <laughs> yeah. always be in contention. And Cantlay feels like that guy that may be a little bit slept on this week. Um, any thoughts from you on, on any of those three? Yeah, I can't fault anybody for betting any of those guys. Scotty Scheffler winning three out of four starts would be 
amazing, but I mean, people were saying, Oh, he can't win, you know, twice in that short of time. And he did. Um, Hovland. Yeah. just seems like the guy who is always going to contend every single week now. And, and it's just, you know, comes down to his ball striking is so, so good. Um, his short game gets him in trouble if he does miss greens and, um, we're going to see some weather this week, supposedly, um, you know, windy is, is what makes me more worried about him. Cause if, if he's missing greens, you do worry about the, the around the green game. And then I think you're right with, with Cantlay as being kind of the slept on guy. He hasn't really played a ton, um, this year, but it's like, he's another guy who is a flawless golfer. Um, every aspect of his game is, you know, as good as anybody, especially when he's, when he's on and, uh, he's got really good. Pete Dye history, you know, all that kind of stuff. He's, he's hard guy to fade. You know, you don't, when he's on, yeah. you know, it early and, and all week you're just like, this guy's going to be around. Yeah. My, I feel a lot of the same way about Cantlay. My next bet Luke is going to come down at uh 30 to one. It looks like there's a 31 there on FanDuel and uh, it's a decky. I bet him last week. Um, was a bit so disappointed, although he ended up sort of backing into to a top 20, essentially. Still was really good on approach. Solid tee to green. Lost a stroke and a half putting, but he's in a really nice groove right now. Let me see. Two wins in his last seven starts. Um, playing fantastic. I think the tougher this place, the more the tougher it plays, the better it lends itself to a player like Hideki. Um, the approach numbers have just been so good. 4.8. You know, he lost a little bit at the Genesis, but 5.1 before that. And like everything is over two and a half strokes gained on approach. Um, he's hitting his driver relatively well for him. I know it's a bit hit and miss, but he's really been putting pretty well, too. I just think that, um, you know, he was in, in 2020. He jumped out to that huge, huge lead here uh, before the thing got called after round one. I think this is a nice spot. Um, look, I played him last week. I'm not going to just jump off a week early. The same reasons I liked him last week. I like him this week. I'll take the 30 to one. The stronger field doesn't bother to me. He's the type of player that can basically win everywhere. And he's shown it to us. So I'm glad you bring up Hideki because I've got a lot to say. Um, yes. so first, other than one gentleman that we'll talk about here in just a moment, uh, Hideki was my first thought this week. I, I also bet him last week. Um, and so, you know, when you bet a guy, you're tracking him all week and you, you really have a feel for how he played, um, you know, relative to other guys, you just see their score. Hideki's week last week was so weird. Like, cause, cause we, we've seen Hideki as a, you know, he's a good around the green player. If you look at his stats yeah. um, for his career, you know, he gains right. around the green for his career. Um, and any, any time frame you look at, he's a, he's gaining around the green in the first two rounds last week. I don't think he chipped the ball within 15 feet. It was the weirdest thing. Every chip he hit was like 17 feet. So he was just making bogey, bogey, bogey. Yeah. Um, but the ball striking was mostly really good. It was just if he missed a green, he pretty much made a bogey. Um, the other thing with Hideki is, is you mentioned the wins. I think that he went through that really long stretch without winning. And now it's like he's got the monkey off his back again. And he's just it looks like he's ready to contend a lot. Um, one of the things you mentioned in your preview was about the green types. Yeah. Um, our boy Andy Lack gave a real nice breakdown in his preview awesome. of um, some of the courses that are have the same green. And one of those is Phoenix. Yep. He's great at Phoenix. Um, he's been great here at times. Um, he had that, like you said, that 2020, just what he shoot like nine under in the first day. So, yep. you know, you know that he can make putts here. Um, the ball striking is almost always going to be phenomenal. So 
Um, Hideki is one of my early leans. Um, he's kind of in that same price as Xander. And so I'm, I'm making a decision between those two, but the lean is definitely towards Hideki. Xander, you mentioned, I, I don't really, I don't know, man. I just don't know. He, we never really see him in Florida. Yeah. It's finally a good number on Xander. Like we all, yeah, like I'm first that I'll take the hit on this, but I'm always, you can't bet. I can't bet Xander because of the number he's 18, 16, one. He can win it where his game travels. He's so great in every facet. I just can't take the price. Now we're getting 28s. Feels much more like a spot that he's going to break through at. But let me ask you about a, just a weird one here before we get to our boy, Dustin Johnson. 40 to ones on DJ. Now, I thought that he played, what was it, the Farmers, that he lost a ton putting but was phenomenal tee to green. They had an interview with him. Yep. And he mentioned that what I found very interesting was um, and it's kind of interesting in general, the thought of these guys who tie themselves to these club manufacturers, and he's been with TaylorMade for so long. So he turned himself into the best player in the world um, at a level where we're not seeing John Rahm right now, where he's winning multiple times in a month, where he's winning major. He won the Masters. Uh, he had all that rattled off all those wins, and he was using the, the whatever the Sim 2 or whatever the driver yeah. was, right? Then they changed him last year, and it sounded to me in his interview like it was a forced change, and he just said he could never get it right all year. Now, you'll never hear him complain during the year. He said this after about it, but he said that he could never marry up the shaft and the head and his driver. Just it was not the same as it was the year before. He wished he could have gone back. He said as soon as he hit this new stealth, he felt like he was totally back. His confidence was, was right back where he wanted it to be. I don't think that I've seen a 40 to one number since maybe that time that he won at the travelers. He did gain 8.3 T to green at the farmers, which is freaking unbelievable for him, but lost a bunch of putting. He lives down here in Florida. He should play well here. He should be familiar with the conditions, horrible course history here, but I said I was going to ignore it. Is this number too much to ignore Luke? Yeah, for me, it's, it's solely a number play. I mean, you can dig into the stats all you want, but like, we talk about this forgotten elite, the drifting elite thing all the time in, in betting. Yes. And when you're betting outrights, I mean, it's a numbers game, right? A guy can rate out for you the best um, out of anybody in the field. But if he's eight to one, like how often is he going to pay off that price kind of a deal? Um, yeah, I'm seeing like 40s on, on TJ, which we may have never seen a 40 since he was like a kid, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, even at that, that, that TPC at the Travelers, the one that he won, I think that was like 22 or 25. Like this is this is getting yeah. kind of crazy and it is. So it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. The stats aren't great. Um, really ever since he got that masters win, like he won at the masters, he went and won in, in uh, the middle East. And then like, since then he's had a couple of top eights or whatever, you know, T eights, but like just, it hasn't been that inspired of golf, which is, mm-hmm. which is just kind of weird. And, you know, I'm not going to make up any uh, narratives about like, Oh, he got the masters and now he's happy with life or whatever, but like, he doesn't seem that dialed in um at you know at all and i don't i don't know i can't really speak to that i don't know the guy i don't you know he's dustin johnson we've seen him win every year on tour since fucking we were born basically um and he didn't win last year so it's kind of a crazy like he's due so it would be a number where if he wins and you don't have it you're just gonna feel like an absolute bozo and you're gonna have to evaluate whether or not you should be betting on golf going forward so um it's kind of a it's kind of a thing where you might just have to play him because of the number. And fortunately the number is good enough that like 
it's not going to break your card, right? Normally when you're committing to betting Dustin Johnson, you're like, okay, well, that's 40% of my stake for the week is on one guy. This week it could be much less, you know, and and still build a, a really reasonable card. So speaking of number play, speaking of a guy coming in uh, at a decent number in a big time event, t-shirts on. Talk to me a little bit about Brooks Kepka, please. Oh God, what forty-eight to one. I so got I, that number. That's outrageous. I got that through a through a good friend as a proxy. Got that number. I think a lot of people have got it. I think a lot of people have hit forty ones. Um, you're still seeing forties out there. You know, I I am of the camp you know, whether it's right or wrong that like you bet Brooks at certain numbers, you just have to. And there's always going to be the conversations about motivation and he only shows up for majors. Well, he also shows up for WGCs. Basically where he shows up are places where there's a big purse and um, also places that have Phoenix in the name, Phoenix open and Phoenix Dunlop, but whatever it's all it's it, for Brooks. It's all about these big purses. And he actually made a comment in the last couple of weeks that I thought was so interesting where he said he was embarrassed about his OWGR score. I think he was heard his, his ranking. I think he was 20th at the time and was saying he was like kind of embarrassed to not really be a top 20 player. Um, man, if you look at some of the guys above him right now, I mean, Billy Horschel just passed him. If I were, you know, to hop into the mind of mind of Brooks, I would say that there he's looking at some guys that are ahead of him in the ranking. And he's like, this is unacceptable. Um, so where better to boost your ranking back into like the top 10 in the world than at the strongest field in golf um, and pick up $3.6 million on the way. Plus, you know, we can get into the stat stuff. You know, we mentioned the greens. He kills it at, at this type of green. I, I ran a little mini mixed condition or not a mixed condition, a custom model based on uh, putting at those, those courses, Innisbrook, um, PGA West and, and Phoenix. He's second putting in, Oh, and uh, and at TPC Sawgrass. So he's second in the field putting on this type of surface. Um, he's got a couple pretty solid finishes, like an 11th and a 16th, I think. Um, he, he's coming in on pretty decent form. He had that. He missed the playoff by one in Phoenix. He does not like Riviera and didn't play well there. Whatever. He actually was pretty strong at at the Honda. He finished T16. It, it doesn't look like the greatest finish, but he that's pretty solid. Um, and as a Brooks guy, you know he was on featured coverage. I watched almost every single stroke he had on on Thursday and Friday, and we were DMing. Yep. You know the thing that I that I noticed about him was the balance that he had off the tee. Like you can see it with Brooks, man. He when he's not swinging it well he's leaning one way or the other and the ball is going one way or the other. And you know, like it's either his tempo is not right or his balance isn't right. Something isn't right. And at the Honda, it was not that it was, it was absolute stripe show off the tee. Um, and then, you know, the short wedges, the wedges seem to be his only issue right now. Like he, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got a hundred yards, like he's hitting it to 40 feet and it's like, what is that? And then he has 190 yards and he hits it to eight feet. And it's like, okay. So, you know, I think this is a course where he's probably going to club down a lot more. So hopefully we'll be in the fairway a lot more and have more of those 150 to 200 yard uh, clubs where he's absolutely just, I mean, just hitting it beautifully right now. So I I think the case is, is too easy to make. And uh, yeah, it's another one where you're going to feel real silly and wonder like, what am I doing betting golf if I didn't have Brooks and he won at Yeah, dude. I mean, Let's face it, we were always going to be on him, but I think there's like real, there's good reason for everyone to be on him this week. At Phoenix, 
plus 5.9 T to green at Honda plus 5.6. That's the flip I've been looking for. Basically, since he switched to these Strixon clubs, before that, it was one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive events where he lost strokes, uh, T to green, and basically on approach as well. That's not good for him. Um, he did not putt well at the Honda. He missed a couple of short ones. You're right. The wedges were not spot on. I think that he got, look, there were like, he got put with a uh, steward and like, I was following him that day. It was Stewart, right? Yeah, I think so. Oh my God. He was so frustrated uh, because of how slow that he was playing. It was just a horrible draw for him. He couldn't get anything going momentum wise in terms of making a putt. Um, and I felt like he would have been right there. I thought that he played really well. These courses, you know, Phoenix has a ton of water off the tee. Honda has mm-hmm. a ton of water off the tee. Like he tends, he struck it really well. And it's not that he's tempering back his aggressiveness. It's just that he's hitting the driver pretty damn well right now, which is great to see for him. Um, I love to hear that about the putting splits. He was working really hard with Pete Cowan at the Honda um, on his short game, on his putting. I think that it's going to flip. He's a really, when he's at his best, he's got great hands around the green. He gets everything up and down for par. Uh, and he makes a couple of bombs for birdie. These four par fives are, are right in his wheelhouse. They should be. He should be able to easily reach and score on all of them. I think he had the albatross here one year. Um, so I love Brooks at 48 to one this week. I think you made a very solid case for him. Not that we really needed it to be on Brooks, but but we're there. Um, everybody that this is community yeah. play, get in on. Brooks. You, I didn't even realize until you said it 3.6 million dollar purse. This thing's got his full attention. Oh, absolutely. And I actually really like that he played Honda and not last week, right? I think yeah. that that's something to look out for is guys who played last week and being a, who contended last week and uh, really might be a little wiped out. I think we saw it with with Neiman after the Genesis, like that was a grind of a week. And he came out uh, at the Honda and like went four or five under real quick and then just like faded into the abyss. And I think it's a real thing, man. I think fatigue is a real thing with these guys. And, you know, like a guy like Gary Woodland just kind of contended in back to back, really difficult grinding weeks. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard for some of those guys to bounce back this week. And I like that Brooks kind of had a, a reasonable start at Honda, had a week off and now he's, he's fresh. And um, yeah, I love it. I can't wait. I'm going to give you another guy in this range. I bet Sam Burns, dude, 55 to one. Here's why, Luke. We're going to have the exact same card. Are we? I think so. Perfect week to have you on. All right, let's tell the people why we bet Sam Burns. I'm going to tell you why I bet Sam Burns. Um, The approach numbers were fantastic last week, plus 3.7 on approach. He was really good at Phoenix as well, although um, he just couldn't get it going off the tee, hit a couple in the water there, missed the cut. He... Is a he should be it's just a number play basically somewhat for me. He should be in the mid 30s to 40. So you're catching some extra points there. But really, I look back to this stretch in Florida that he had last year, Luke. Um, let me read it for you. Arnold Palmer miscut, players miscut, Valero miscut. Then all of a sudden, something clicked at the heritage a little bit. He gained 3.1 on approach, finished like 30th. The next week he won. Back in Florida at the Valspar. So he missed three consecutive miscuts before last week. Miscut at the Farmers, miscut at Phoenix, miscut at Genesis, played the Arnold Palmer, 
gained 3.7 on approach, finished in the top 10. It's almost history repeating itself and telling me that um, he's going to finish first soon. He likes it here in Florida. He grew up sort of in this Southeast region, should be very familiar. We used to call him Bermuda Burns before he was just good at everything. Um, I'm going to roll him out here. I think 55 to one's a good number. Yeah. I mean, his, his first win came in Florida at the Valspar, which is one of those courses that has the same, same greens here in that little model of those, those courses with these type of greens. He's number one, just, you know, he's the only person who's ahead of Brooks Kepka and putting on these types of greens. He's another guy who he kind of fits that. What I'm looking for of a guy who played one of the last two weeks at a Florida course, wasn't necessarily grinding out like contention and, and is might be super exhausted. But I mean, if you look at where he finished, you know, he's another guy that I bet last week. So I was following him, dude. He had, he had five makeable birdie putts on Sunday. Didn't make a single one of them. If he makes a couple of those, he's in a playoff or, you know, just off a playoff. I mean, he finished one under for the week. So he kind of backdoored like a really good finish. Um, he actually had just a bad, uh, a bad Saturday. So I, I really like Burns. He's he's the exact kind of guy we're looking for. He's, his odds have kind of drifted for a while there. We were seeing Burns, you know, priced up in the mid twenties and thirties. Um, so now he's kind of in a in a nice little spot. All right, moving up. Now we're about like sixty, call it sixty to a hundred to one. I'll scroll through some names here. Any bets for you or any that sort of jump out at you, Luke? So I, I haven't really fired on anything. One guy that I was. I think I saw like a 60 on Louis Oosthuizen and it's yeah. funny because I just, I just had like my, one of my most popular tweets ever a couple weeks ago talking about how, you know, nobody beats Louis 196 times in a row or whatever. And he just never wins in America. And like, it's so he's just not a guy I normally bet. We just have never seen it. And, and he's been I'm guessing Kirshner was in the comments. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. And, and, <laughs> Uh, oh but I mean, like Louis has been like a world elite for, you know, nearly two decades. And so yeah. the fact that he doesn't have a win on U.S. soil is really remarkable. It, it's kind of crazy. So but that's that's a number that you could get on him that like it's one of those ones where you can fit it into a betting card and not really give up much elsewhere. So I don't hate that. Um, Abe answers kind of the uh, Pete Dye guy. He's got mm -hmm. some nice finishes here. Paul Casey's a guy who's just hitting it really, really well. Who's another Pete Dye guy. Um, I had him here last year and I firmly believe he should have won the tournament. He made a quad on 17 on Thursday and, and lost by three. Um, so Paul Casey's a guy I'll probably be involved with. Um, and other than that, man, I don't, I don't know about this range too much. There's, there's some guys who have nice history here and some, some big juicy numbers, but you know, like Finau is, is drifted out farther than we normally see him. So I think yeah. you can make a lot of good cases, but where I'm probably going to end up here is, is probably Casey and then, maybe one other like a like an answer type so i took tony fee now um yeah it's it's look there's a reason he's 80 to one the form's been really bad really um, bad but his approach play has been really good if there's something there was just something when i was reading early on in the show when i was kind of writing them down and just reading through it of the last four winners here jt rory siwoo webb not good putters, man. JT's terrible. Rory's hot and cold. Um, Siwoo, maybe a little. Webb, not traditionally. Like, they all... Webb at that time was not a great putter. No, they all remind me, and they all pretty much did it with, with ball striking, 
with long iron play, with off the tee game, with par five scoring. That seems to me from what I remember of how they won this tournament. And that should line up with Tony Finau. He gained 6.4 on approach at the Genesis. Um, and he just hasn't gained strokes putting in a while. Maybe this is a spot that bounces back. His off the tee has been a little shaky, but this is, um, look, it's sawgrass. Weird things happen. I can see him missing the cut here. I can also see him contending. And if he contends at 80 to one, I think he presents the most value in this range. Um, you know, he got that one win and all of a sudden he was backed into the 25 thirties. We're seeing double, maybe triple some of those numbers that we saw early in the season. I think it's a spot that, that I can get back in on him. And the biggest thing, like you mentioned is, um, you don't have to stake a lot of your card in a guy 80 to one, right? You can get a decent enough payout. There's a randomness at play here. I feel like overall trajectory as a player, he's a perennial top 15 player in the world, a Ryder cupper. There's not many of those other guys on this list here that I'm showing you. So I'm going to take him at 80 to one, sort of roll the dice on maybe a decent week out of old big tone. Man, I did not realize that the approach was that good at the farmer's 6.4. That's that was a Genesis or Genesis. That's what I meant. Yeah. That, yeah. that almost seems like an error. <laughs> like that's crazy. It could be. Is there something up with the strokes gain data? I saw I some shit know. last week. Somebody tweeted about, uh, it was like Corey Connors and another guy basically played. Did you see this? Yeah. They played the whole, the exact same way. And one lost a stroke. I like for me, I don't put a ton into it. I'd like to look at it as a reference point, but I'm more of always been more of, of a gut and a feel and an eye test yeah. better. Um, and just seeing him 80 to one, I feel like there's, there's a certain amount of upside potentially there at that yeah, number. That, that's a crazy number. And, and if you can see like one or two, you know, things that point in your direction, like that's the kind of things that get you into a bet at a guy like this, you know, there's a lot of water on this course, so that's the only caution I, I may I may have there with Tony. Yeah, but anyone can eject. Like that's the thing yeah, is, 100%. any of these guys uh, in this range are capable of losing it with the driver. Woodland's loose. Um, Jason Day is super loose. Like Sergio was pretty wild last week. So I feel like any of these guys, a lot of them. How about Webb? Ninety to one, like a previous champion. We just yeah. have not seen Webb Simpson crazy number on him does that have right. any interest for you i mean not really it's i'm yeah. kind of one of these guys i don't necessarily like to uh get in on guys after we haven't seen them or they've been hurt you know that it backfires every once in a while but like i'd like to see a little bit of signs you know we just don't see it with him right now so but i mean you know he was like 100 to 1 when he won it here before um and that's one yeah. kind of thing that that i'm struggling with a little bit on building my card just as we get into this these deeper numbers is you know, you see a field like this and you think one of the elite guys is going to win, right? The top every, like the top 50 guys are basically here. Um, not always the case. You would, it's not always the case. It's these yeah. Siwoos and these webs and these, these guys from pretty deep that are, are winning. So it's, it feels foolish to leave this entire board of part of the board untouched. But at the same time, it's like, it almost feels like it would have to be just a lucky dart throw. I don't, I don't know what people are, would be seeing that would, you know, get them on one of these guys, you know, usually when I'm thinking about betting a guy like this, it's, it's like, okay, well, is the model spitting out some stuff and then you dig a little deeper and, and maybe there's some, some current form or some course history or, or something that might suggest, you know, this is worthy of a bet. And, and so far I just haven't spent enough time to, uh, to find that gem, but you know, maybe sometime during the week or maybe you'll sell me. 
Yeah, bear with me just a moment. I'm trying to pull, go back up to my course notes because you made a good point there. I thought about, um, you know, guys sort of coming out of nowhere. So the year that Rory won in 2019, I believe at the time he was either at or at the very top, like number one player in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on a bit of a tear. He was top tening everything. Listen to the other names right around him on the leaderboard that year. So the number one player won. Probably the favorite coming into that week, or one of the favorites. The other names around him: Furick, Vegas, Pepperell, Snedeker, Fleetwood were the other guys in the top six. Like there is definitely a randomness at play here. And I'll go back to the odds board because kind of interestingly is is it essentially Luke like goes from like ninety to one, like all the way up to one fifty, which is kind of mm. weird to me. They're posting big numbers on a lot of guys. I'm going to save my sort of long shot bombs for for tomorrow's video that I'll post. Anyone worth a dart throw here in these deep numbers for you? You know, what I kind of um, was thinking about is I've alluded to this a couple times is like guys who played well in one of these Florida events and, you know, because all these Florida courses have a ton of water and they're all difficult and the weather has been really bad. And so like, that's kind of what I'm probably going to try to do is, is find a guy who either popped in one of these last two events, kind of sneaky long, you know, I'm seeing, do you have, what do you have on Taylor Gooch? So Gooch was, is is he drifting out to like close to a hundred? That kind of might be a a bit of a dart. Okay. He's 66 is the best number. So maybe, Maybe not quite. You know, I, I thought mean, even like Mitchell like a, kind of fits that mold of a guy who's recently yep. playing well, plays well in Florida. Luke List is a guy who got a win. He's in decent form right now. He yep. played, he won the, was it the Corn Ferry event that he won that was at the TPC, like, die, it's at the same facility, but it was the other okay. course. The Dyes Valley. Preserve yeah. Dyes Valley yeah. or Dyes Preserve, one of those two. 210 to 1. Like, that's a yeah. big number. Mackenzie Hughes plays well in Florida. That's a big number. Lucas um, Herbert's a guy that you mentioned earlier who kind of backdoored a T7, but like, yeah, played well all week. He's 150 to one. You know, he just played well in a course where you kind of club down and stay out of the water and tough conditions. That's not, you know, that's not something I hate. Aaron Wise popped a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. Um, These Vandal pretty... numbers are huge, by the way. If you have access to Vandal, like a lot of them are 50, 60 points above the, the DraftKings prices. That's pretty, you know, who's a, an interesting one, actually. One, in my first pass through the board at a real deep number that I, I thought about was uh, Joel Damon. Yeah. So I, I got a 225 is what I'm looking at, Joel. Um, I believe he has a second place out of players, if I'm not mistaken. Fandle has a 340 to one. So he's he's got a good players finish at some point. Uh, okay. T12, maybe not second. It was, yeah. it was a one, a one plus two. T12. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good number. Um, you know, he's got a, he's got a good finish at an Arnold Palmer. You know, he's had a couple of nice, uh, Florida finishes. He won, you know, his only win was in a crazy windy, it was at Corrales, you know, so if it gets real nasty and windy and rainy, that's, that's kind of a a nice little spot. I, I always kind of like me a little Joel Damon because when he's on, he's, he's really on and that's a deep number. What do you think the weather is going to uh, – I mean, not predicting what it's going to do, but um, do you lean certain players if it gets gnarly more than others? Yeah, that's 
that's interesting. You know, we've seen this kind of gnarly weather the last two weeks and, you know, recency bias. I, I'm just looking at, we've seen really nasty Florida weather the last two weeks and we see a lot of these cheeky euros kind of popping up. Um, yeah. But, you know, then I, I just, I just think about guys who play well in, in difficult scoring conditions, you know, major guys who show up for majors, Brooks Kepkos of, of the world, you mm-hmm. know, guys who are mentally strong and, and not going to get um, phased by, by a little bit of weather. So um, that, that would yeah. kind of be the people I'm thinking of. Matt Jones is always one of those guys too, that you want to watch out for when it gets windy and nasty. Yep. Um, you would think that like a guy like Shane Lowry would be one of those guys, even though when it started yeah. raining the other day, he hit the worst. He rushed into it. He's yeah. probably hit in 10 years. So the one thing yeah. about Florida that I'll say as a, as a Florida weatherman, like if it's raining and it's thunderstorming, they're probably not playing. So they're probably not playing right. in the rain. Um, there's going to be thunderstorms in the area. They'll probably shut it down. And when that clears, typically when that clears, because it's coming off the coast, like things get so calm and there's like not a breath of wind. And the right. course is going to soften up, which should help some of the longer hitters to keep things in the fairway and not running into bunkers and running into to sort of, um, you know, the water and, and the rough along the edge. So should help them. I know they have the sub air system, which, you know, they should be able to get the green speed back relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think just getting it further down the fairway in softer conditions could be a benefit to them. Um, anything yeah. else, Luke, to sort of add before uh, I move on to a little Q&A? No, I think, I think that's all I got, man. I, I'm still kind of early in my process. You know, it's only Monday, yeah. so I'm I'm still kind of fine-tuning some things. I really liked a lot of what you said um, in the in the you know the preview there. Um, T to green, I I think you're you're right on. Um, I think we touched on a lot of guys, and man, it looks like we're kind of on the same uh, same track as far as as what we're targeting, and and maybe we'll have a nice little community win. Very similar card. I love to hear it. I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I'm going to let you go. I'll do some Q&As before I get out of here. But thank you again, at Luke Sweat It Out on Twitter. Um, I guess you, you do any other content for anywhere else or just post it all for free on Twitter like me? I just I just post it all for free on Twitter. One, one yeah. of these days, maybe I'll start doing a little bit of extra stuff. But, you know, freaking kids and real jobs just, just gets in the way, man. What a pain. It gets in the way, but listen, we put a lot of hours into this content business. Yeah, it's a full-time hobby, brother, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on, dude. This is, you know, one of my first podcasts that ever came on, one of my favorite shows yeah. that there is. And and you are you are on my uh Mount Rushmore of of golf content creators, man. So I appreciate being on with you. Thank you, man. Recurring guest, always good to have you back. I appreciate your patience with me as I work through sort of this new role and some new stuff I'm rolling out. Um, I'll it talk so to you good. soon. So good, buddy. Talk to you later. later, All right, guys. Uh, I'm going to now go to the Q&A segment. Before I do that, I'm going to do another little quick ad read here for for prize picks. Uh, If you haven't tried this out, it's all like people are crushing this. Like last week, they had some very soft lines on birdies. Like Saturday, I know the wind was just nuts, and they had like guys birdie over-unders at four and a half and five. I was just basically hammering the under on everybody. Um, We have a promo code. PL100 is going to get you up to a $100 deposit match. Slick, easy-to-use mobile app, mixed sport entries. You can basically parlay like Rory total birdies this week with, with, say, like Luka Doncic assists. Um, So very cool. PL, 
100 $100 deposit match um use that free money greatly helps us out with them and and helps us to sort of keep the show rolling all right i'm going to get to some comments here i appreciate some of you guys putting them in uh for questions that you may have if you still want to add um please do um so fran asked me this what's up fran i appreciate you by the way always big supporter of the show love you buddy um would you take rory and survivor too yeah I would. I'm debating it. I have probably three pools. He will definitively be in at least one of them. Um, yeah, I like it. I, the thing about Sawgrass, though, Fran, is like it gets it's hard. Like sometimes you want to save these big names for, for an event that they're less likely to just bottom out and miss the cut. He's got two missed cuts in his last three. That said, I like the upside. I think this thing, obviously, I made plenty of points on it, plays sort of right into his hands this week, and he wants it to. Um, $3.6 million purse. Get that money, Rory. Um, another comment, just accept, was upset that good shots were penalized the same as bad shots. I don't know that I necessarily agree with him there. Um, I thought good shots were reward. It took really good shots. Um, it took being in the fairway ultimately to hold the green, and it was just a matter of craftily getting up and down. Scotty Scheffler did it a bunch. Um, he hit a lot of times. His second shot was a chip out to the side or down to like a hundred yard mark, and he hit a great shot in, made the putt. Um, good shots were rewarded. I thought the best player of the week won. Siwoo. loves Pete Dye. I know. I just can't get behind Siwoo. Big number this week. Um, he just is volatile. It's one of those guys. You, if you bet him, you should probably just bet him every week because you're always going to get triple digits on him, and he's likely to pop and find himself in the top five on a Sunday somewhere along the line. Um, and and you want to be on him in that place. He has a he has a ability to close. Dano, love the new graphics. Thanks, dude. I feel I'm working through this. I don't want it to be too like, like look like you're looking at like a video game and Twitch stream, but uh, I liked it too. Hunt man. Appreciate it. Hunter Vanessa. Also um, check him out. Does great DFS content. Hunter. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, his favorite survivor picks. You mentioned it. I think Rory this week. Um, I, if you still have Hideki, I think it's a decently good spot for him. I really do expect a bounce back. Brooks, I mean, $3.6 million on the line. You know that's got his attention, full attention. All right, we're at the 50-minute mark. I'm going to do a new segment here. Um, I'm going to do something new, okay? Let me get rid of the comment here from Fran. Sorry. Okay, final thoughts segment. Now, if you wanted just the golf content, me to go through the odds board, get out of the show now. Click out of it. I appreciate you. Thank you for checking it out. This I'm going to try to sort of tie this into golf, but I want this to sort of be something that I can sort of speak to every week that's important to me and um, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the tournament this week. This is just final thoughts on life. Um, things that are going on for me right now, I'm going to utilize it to be somewhat therapeutic for myself. And if there's anyone out there, if there's one person that it may help. Great. That's awesome. Like I said, if this isn't your vibe, 
Um, I appreciate you checking out the show. Feel free to stop back here again next week. But here's what I got, okay? Take a sip of my drink. Final thoughts. Be a positive influence. I wanted to touch on this because I feel it's important to understand uh, within the context of, of social media. For me, personally, uh, and in the world of golf somewhat right now. There's so much negativity negativity and, and poison in social media. Um, and, and I just want to sort of speak on... We are influencers, whether you have 5,000 people that see your tweets, 555, at some point they read what you say and it influences their day, their hour, their minute. Um, so you want to make sure that just try to leave a positive impact on people. Um, much like golf, this is something that you never really master positivity. You can always work on it. You're always going to have ups and downs but you never really get there. Something you have to stay practicing. Positivity is a practice. Um, like I said, this is helpful for me just to reiterate on a microphone and, and maybe one day play this back. Maybe one day my son listens to this when he grows up um, and can take something from this or maybe one of you guys can sort of in your life. And here's how I'll tie it into golf. Yes, this is about John Rahm. This is about my tweet that I'm sort of over his act. Um, I heard, I've heard from probably six to eight people that speak to him not being a positive influence on the golf course and not being a role model for the game of golf. Now, I'm not here to debate that he should or shouldn't be. I don't think he has to be. That's not his obligation or his role to be a role model. Um, kids, their parents should be their role models. But here's where I think it factors into Rom. He should be a positive influence for himself. He needs to practice some self-forgiveness and positivity. His body language is so fiercely negative right now. And I don't pretend to understand the pressures of being world number one or being the best player in the world. But if he took a step back for a second and said to himself, you are the best player in the world. You don't have to be perfect. You hit a bad shot, you're still the most likely to make the next shot great. Forgive yourself and move on. And I think back to Max Homa at Riviera and some comments that I heard from him that um, I try to remember and ring true to me. He missed a gimme putt on 18. Dream tournament for Max Homa. Thought about winning it his whole life. Had 18 inches to win at Riviera on Sunday. Missed it. Felt like he choked. Walked up them stairs to the clubhouse, called his wife, and he said, nearly in tears, I fucked up. He said he had a transformative moment when she demanded that he right then and there forgive himself. And instead of looking at the one negative thing about his day, the one putt that he missed, he just shot 66 at Riv on Sunday, paired with the number one player in the world, and now he's in a playoff to win his dream tournament. Take something positive away from something negative. Then he went to 10. They played the playoff. They started on hole 10. Him and Tony, you know, that hole, it's the short part four. You just kind of hit it left of the green and hope you don't get screwed. 
him and Tony Finau both tee off. The fans, great shot. Good work. Yeah, they walk up there. Tony's fine. Home is buried next to a tree. He didn't for one second, he said, think about why that happened to him. He just thought, how am I going to get this up and down? It's such a cliche in golf to forget what just happened and just play the next shot. But it's so true. Um, you can't expect perfection. Go get it. Try to be perfect. But when you don't, move on. Go to the next thing. And there's no better player, I think, for John Rahm that we can reference right now than, than Dustin Johnson. He's the best in the world at this. He hits a bad shot, immediately moves on. You don't see it wear on him. You don't see the negative impact on the following shot. And he was world number one and has been in his career for 135 weeks. The most prolific world number one we've seen since Tiger Woods. Nothing, guys, is gained or, or attracted to, to negativity. Um, and I've never really done this, but this week I, I blocked a few accounts this week. And they're probably ripping me for the new show or whatever it is. But I've got blinders on now and I don't see the negativity. Um, it's meaningless. And, and quite frankly, I, I got nothing from it previously. So I'm glad it's just out of my feed. Um, I appreciate those out there who try to be positive influences in their jobs, in their family, and with themselves. Celebrate your successes, take something from it, and, and use those negative experiences to get something, drag, pull something positive out of it for yourself. Um, a message to John Rahm here, a message to maybe you, um, but also a message to myself as I kind of go through this transition with preferred lines and some other content and um, opportunities that may arise or may not arise for me. Um, forgive yourself, stay positive, be a good person, be a positive influence today. Thank you. Have a great time enjoying the Players' Championship. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. That helps me out a ton. Maybe get some few new eyes on the show. That will do it for this week's Preferred Lines podcast. I'm Joe Idoni checking out. Appreciate you. Have a great week. Peace. Cheers, gang.